Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling, and I'm happy to be with you again this week, as always, to discuss a topic that I hope will be of interest to those of you that are multifamily real estate investors and those of you that are thinking about becoming multifamily real estate investors. And that is three ways to invest. There's many ways you can participate in the multifamily real estate investment space. What I want to do this week is talk about three potential ways to invest that we utilize here at Mara Polling that really lay out a spectrum that investment opportunities can fall along. And I hope you'll find value in that. As always, if you have questions, you can email me, pat at marapolling.com. And please don't forget to swing by marapolling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com to check out the Learning Center and all the other hopefully valuable content that we have for you there. All right, let's go ahead and get started. So, Three ways to invest. Those are rehabs, value-add investments, and momentum. And as I said, it really sets out a spectrum, at least the way that we at Mora Polling go about putting our multifamily investments together. On one end of the spectrum are momentum investments. On the other end of the spectrum are rehab projects. And somewhere in the middle there are the value add projects. So what are each of those? How are they different? What would make one the right decision versus another? And how do I go about investing in those kinds of opportunities? That's what we wanna talk about. All right, so let's begin with some definitions for each of these. And let's start with rehab. Let's start with that end of the spectrum. So a rehabilitation project is when there's an asset that's available for acquisition that needs significant investment such that the end result will be a change in rents somewhere north of 20%. And in many instances, it's 30 or 40%. Now I should state, these are not industry terms, right? This is not a, you're not gonna find this definition on uh, Investopedia or something along those lines. These are the terms that we use. When we are underwriting an asset, if the opportunity is there, meaning when we look at the existing rents and what the competitive rents are in that market. And we see a difference, not of five or 10 or 20%, but the difference is 30 or 40 or even 50%, then that really falls into the rehab category. Many rehabs are repositionings. So what I mean by that is an investment opportunity may be a class B asset. And it also may have been operated as a class C property. It could be in significant disrepair with a lot of deferred maintenance. 
but not necessarily. It could simply have been operated as a C and it needs to be repositioned. It needs to be brought back to its former glory as a B. Now, it also could be a C that just is a C. And again, maybe there's an opportunity to reposition that asset. That means making significant investments in infrastructure and other non-cosmetic items that are going to position that asset to perform as a class B in today's market. And it's also the asset that really is in significant disrepair. It needs a new roof. The siding is uh, damaged. The interior of the units aren't just dated, but they've not been maintained over time. And there's significant work that needs to be done. Not $5,000 a unit, not 10,000, but it might average 15 or $20,000 a unit or more and the payoff is a potential significant increase in revenue and ultimately in operating income. So that's rehab, that's that end of the spectrum. As those properties, as you go along the spectrum and you find properties that have not as substantial a rent upside, but that are more in that maybe 20% range, or 15 or 10, and the investment that's required is more along the lines of interior tenant-focused amenities. So things like flooring and appliances and paint and lighting and less structural. So not roofs, not siding, not uh, structural issues, foundations, those sorts of things. Now you're getting into that value add space where you can make these investments and in return, see a meaningful increase in revenue. And that growth in NOI, that growth in net operating income will generate incremental cash and generate incremental value such that you can get a very nice blended return. This is the model that in general we follow, is looking for value add opportunities. Now, if you keep going along this spectrum that I'm describing, you will get to momentum investments. A momentum investment is an investment where pretty much all the heavy lifting has been done. There is no significant rent upside from making investments in the asset. There is no deferred maintenance in any significant manner that needs to be done. This is an asset that just needs to be run well. And it likely is being run well today. You're most likely, if you're going to invest in a momentum asset, you're buying it from someone that's running it well. And your opportunity is to simply continue to run it well. Now, why would you want to invest in any one of those as opposed to the other? What's the draw of investing in a momentum or a value add or a rehab? So let's, let's take a look at those. And we're going to work ourselves backwards down that, that spectrum, right? So we'll start with momentums. Well, number one, and it probably seems pretty obvious to you already, 
there's not a lot of work you have to do, right? There is no significant capital investment. So there's not a lot of extra dollars that need to go into the project up front. There's not the work of having to manage and implement value add work, dealing with contractors, the increase in vacancy that will occur when you're creating inventory to be able to take through the value add program. There's not a turnover of any tenants because you're not doing anything substantially different with rent than what's being done today. It's a very nice investment to have. If you're looking for an investment that is well-suited to uh, have low risk and simply chug along and perform the kind of one foot in front of the other investment opportunity, a momentum investment looks like that. How do you make money on momentum investments? Well, you could certainly make money by buying them below market, but that's true with any investment. So let's set that aside. The way the models work on a momentum investment is this, is you're going to buy that asset and you're going to pay a certain amount of money for each dollar of NOI. Again, if I'm buying a dollar of net operating income and I pay $20 for it, then that's a five cap. If I then leverage that asset, I go get a loan, a 70% loan to value loan, and I can get that at three and a half percent. Well, on 70% of that uh, NOI, I'm making the spread between the cap rate at 5% and the interest rate at three and a half. And then on the other 30%, I'm making the full 5%. So my return is more modest. I'm not going to be growing NOI in any dramatic manner. I'm going to have very stable long-term growth that's a function of the spread between revenue growth and expense growth. If I can grow my expenses at 2% and revenues at 3 then every year I'll move my NOI number. If I can grow revenues 5% and expenses at 3%, I'll move it. 2%, I'll get that spread. And that's how I'll make money over time. A momentum investment is not an investment where you're going to see a significant return over a short period of time. These are gonna be good assets to hold long-term. They will perform well as the market they're in performs. And as I said, they take a relatively small amount of energy to manage. Now let's move to the next step in the spectrum and that's these value add assets. When you purchase a value add property, you're looking at growing NOI and you're gonna grow NOI by moving rents and other income items, but predominantly by moving rents and not by moving rents because they're below market to start with. There's obviously gonna be some of that in a number of these kinds of investments, but this is moving rents by increasing the amenity level in the asset such that you can attract tenants that want to pay for that kind of amenity. There are tenants out there that if you gave them the opportunity to live in a unit, 
that had upgraded flooring and upgraded appliances and pay an extra premium for that, they'd say, that looks wonderful, but I'm not going to pay any more for it. That's not the tenant that a value add investor is looking to attract. So you're looking to make improvements that are going to be seen as valuable by a large segment of the prospective tenant community, such that they will then say, yes, I'll pay $20 a month or $40 a month or $60 a month for that particular improvement that you're providing. That is of value to me and I will pay that. And when we do the math on each of those individual improvements, and that's the way that work is done, we end up with a value add plan. It takes capital. So unlike the momentum, there's capital that has to be invested. It takes time and energy to manage that, to implement it. There's some disruption to the existing tenant base because you have to have some units to improve. So you can't run at 97% occupied. You need to have a reasonable amount of turnover in order to be able to implement a value add plan. And you're looking to grow NOI. Value add programs take anywhere from 18 to 24 to maybe even 30 months to fully implement. And then you need about a year to season that before you're potentially in a place to take advantage of the value you've created. So these are assets that you're going to hold four, five, maybe up to six or seven years. And if you improve them significantly, right, if there's 100 units and we improved every unit we could get our hands on, so we improved 95 of the units and we've implemented every revenue idea we have, then when we go to sell, we're not selling a value-add property, we're selling a momentum asset. And the number of investors that are interested in momentum assets is smaller than the number of investors that are going to be interested in value add. Now, momentum investors will be interested in value add assets because they can do that work and get it to the point where it's improved and then hold it as a momentum play. So you'll have a larger pool to draw from if you leave, as we are fond of saying, some meat on the bone. So instead of doing every single thing I could possibly think of to increase the value of the asset, I want to do some things. Now, some things I may do in a significant manner. I may improve a large number of the units with my basic improvement package, but I also may only put washer dryers in a portion of the units. And I may, if I could do some fencing to make private yards, I may do that in a small number of units so that when I go to market, the person that's going to buy the asset from me can look at the asset and say, I see opportunity for me to add value and increase my return as well. And that interest that we can draw will give us more demand for our deal and that's going to get us a better price. So that's a decision on every value-add investment that needs to be made. How far do I go? Because the further and further I go into the process, I'm moving down that spectrum, and I'm getting closer and closer to turning this into a momentum investment, which is a completely acceptable exit strategy. It simply means when I exit, I'm going to be attracting a 
smaller and different kind of investor, a smaller segment and a different kind of investor than if I were selling the asset with some value add still left on it. All right, let's move down to the other end, to rehabs. In general, and this is a, a gross generalization, but in general, rehab investments are short-term in nature. They are often repositioning of assets. You generally do not take a project from rehab to momentum. You will take a project from rehab to value add, meaning the meat you leave on the bone is for someone like Mara Poling to come in and buy the asset from you and now run a more traditional value add campaign. So if I had a project that I could purchase that had significant deferred maintenance issues and that was either very poorly occupied, so maybe it's in the 70%, or it might be have a higher physical occupancy but large amounts of delinquency. So the effective vacancy is 25 or 30%. So I'm effectively at that 70% occupancy level. Then what I might do when I purchase that asset is I'm going to put together a plan that over the next 18 months, I'm going to address all the deferred maintenance items. I'm going to get the asset stabilized as close to 85 or 90% as I can with a reasonable grade of tenant, uh, meaning tenants that can meet a certain standard of qualification to rent uh, in that building. I'm not gonna be looking to grow in any overwhelming manner uh, the rents. I'm not gonna, again, take it all the way through the full value add cycle. I'm gonna get this to a place where someone will be willing to purchase it from me and they can go do their work. And I'll give you an example. In the markets that we're active in today, a value add property is gonna be somewhere around 100 to maybe $120,000 a unit. Uh, we can purchase a unit uh, for that amount, do the improvements that we want, and drive value such that we can exit with a very nice upside for ourselves. So a momentum investor might be paying $140,000 a unit. Well, on the rehab side, you're buying that for $50,000 a door. And you're going to put $20,000, $30,000 in fixing all the things that need to get fixed because that's too heavy a burden for a value add investor. It simply doesn't fit in the box that value add investors are investing in. So a rehab investor can do that heavy lifting and then get out of Dodge, sell the asset, sell the asset to me, and I'll pay $100,000 a door. So they can pay 50 for it, they can put 30 into it, and they can make their money and get out. And then I'll take it and put another five or 10,000 a door in and get the rents to where they need to go uh, and get it stabilized in the low to mid 90s from an occupancy standpoint. And then I'll sell it to either a value add investor that wants to finish that work. Or if I take it all the way through, I'll sell it to a momentum investor 
that's happy to basically just clip the coupons. So if you look at the items along the spectrum, the things that differentiate between a rehab and a value add and a momentum, there's a couple of things that jump out. So one is the amount of capital. Rehabs take a lot of capital because you've got a lot of work you have to do. Value add, less so, but still require a capital investment. Momentums, not really. Hardly any extra capital needs to go in because everything's been done. Time frame. Rehab projects are going to be held for a short period of time. It's almost like flipping a house. A very similar kind of mentality. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to get my list of things done and I'm going to get out. And then the next person will do what they're going to do with it. Value add work. You're probably looking at a five-year hold, maybe upwards of seven, could leave at three, but it's that kind of a time frame. Momentums really can be held very long-term. I know many investors that have owned assets for 10, 15, and 20 years. And instead of executing 1031s, they've used refinancing strategies to free up their lazy equity. We just did a session on this uh, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, looking at alternatives to 1031s. Often momentum investors fit into that category where they just are continuing to manage the assets well, and that works well for them. Another is the returns. A rehab project can have significant returns, especially IRR. IRR is very time sensitive. The longer you hold an asset, the harder it is to really drive a, a large IRR. If you want a big IRR, internal rate of return, then uh, you really need a short hold period. So you can get really dramatic IRRs, 30, 40, 50% even uh, out of a rehab project. But you're in and out quick. And generally speaking, rehab projects don't 1031 simply because the timing is very, very tight on those. Value add projects, much more modest IRRs. You're looking in mid-teens kinds of returns. Uh, very nice and balanced between cash and equity growth. And as I said, the timing uh, lends itself to being able to do a 1031 uh, on those kinds of assets. Momentum assets, you're going to see the lowest of the returns out of these. Uh, low double digits, high single digits. And that's a function of the kind of leverage that you can put into it. And honestly, how well you buy the asset, because once you've purchased it, there's not a lot you're doing to really drive the ongoing value other than not messing it up, right? Simply managing it well so there's no problems at the asset. Now, as I said, there's lots and lots of different ways to participate in the multifamily investing world. This spectrum that I laid out is one way you can think about some of the differences. Obviously, every project that we look at and that you might look at as either an active investor building your own portfolio or as a passive investor investing with sponsors like Mara Poling, those opportunities are going to fall all along this spectrum. They're going to be momentum-ish, so value add, but kind of like a momentum. They might be uh, 
rehab-like value adds. Uh, I'd say that's a pretty good description of the range that we fall into. We generally don't do rehab projects, nor do we invest in momentum projects. We absolutely have invested in assets that have value add opportunities that are pretty stabilized and a lot of the value add's been done already. So they're on that momentum end of the value add piece of the spectrum. And we have done projects where we have repositioned assets and made some fairly substantial investments, not $30,000 a door, but we've put 10,000 or a little over 10,000 a door into uh, properties in order to be able to move them the way that we, uh, the way that we wanted. So whenever you're looking at a potential investment, this might be another tool you can use to think about how that fits into the overall multifamily real estate investment scheme. I hope you found this week's topic valuable. If you have questions about it, shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. If you'd like to learn more about how you could work with us, if some of this makes sense and you think, gee, that value add investing, I'd, I'd like to learn more about how you do that. I'm always happy to talk. There's no obligation, as many of you know that have taken us up on the opportunity to chat. Um, just want to continue to spread the uh, good word about investing in multifamily real estate. Uh, if working with us ultimately did make sense, that's fantastic. And if not, that's okay too. We just want to help you get into the multifamily investing game however it is you can do that that works best for you. So thanks again for joining me this week and please join us next week for another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Polo.